0: This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by 420-friendly service providers in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory. If you need professional help with your business, from accounting to legal services to consulting, marketing, payment processing, or insurance, visit gondrepreneur.com businesses to find service providers who specialize in helping cannabis entrepreneurs like you. Visit the Gondrepreneur Business Directory today at gondrepreneur.com businesses. Hey there, I'm your host TG Brandfault and you are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gontrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today I'm joined by Peter Vogel, he's the founder of LeafWire. He has nearly 20 or more than 20 years of tech industry experience. Uh, LeafWire, the LinkedIn of cannabis, is a social network aiming to link cannabis businesses with investors. How are you doing this afternoon, Peter?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Delighted to have you on. A lot to discuss. Um, you know, you're a tech guy, so so uh, you know, that that's always a great conversation to have. Uh, but before we get into that, tell me about yourself, man. Uh, how'd you end up in the cannabis space?
1: Uh sure. So uh, as you had said, I've I've been in the kind of tech startup space for 20 years plus of Founded a variety of different online advertising, marketing, marketing and loyalty type programs online. Um, And about a decade ago, I was CEO of a company called Plink, uh, P-L-I-N-K, which was a Facebook credits loyalty program, which if you remember Farmville and all those crazy games, we were basically giving social gamers the currency to play the games more. And ran that company for a while. While I was CEO of that company, I got to be buddies with uh, Marion Marathison, who is now CEO of Simplifia, a compliance company here in Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to be good friends and have been networking ever since. And about a year and a half ago, we had a lunch and he told me how he had transitioned into cannabis and how Simplifia was uh, blowing it up. Uh, they raised a bunch of rounds and are uh, scaling really big right now. And Told me about LeafWire. Said they needed somewhere to run it and uh, convinced me to jump in headfirst.
0: So, so tell me about LeafWire and and what convinced you to jump in headfirst.
1: Well, um, one, uh, the cannabis industry was very exciting to me in the sense that obviously it still is, but you know, a, a year and a half ago, it was even a little more immature than it is now. Uh, Colorado being one of the more mature markets, but still you know nationwide or worldwide it's really an industry in its infancy and i saw I saw an opportunity similar to what I saw in technology you know twenty five years ago that there there were very few companies that were mature or that had a lot of experience or growth yet that I just saw an industry that was ready to just kind of blow up and it seemed like The place where I wanted to be five years from now, the cannabis industry is where I wanted to be firmly established versus the same kind of tech industry I'd been in for decades. So, um, one, I saw it as a huge opportunity just because of the stage of the industry. Uh, Two, you know, I love the idea of LeafWire of, uh, you know, initially we really talked about LeafWire more like an angel list, you know, connecting investors to cannabis, so we were connecting accredited investors to cannabis companies, uh, and we still are doing that, but it's evolved a lot as we've grown. We keep having more and more cannabis business people joining the platform, telling us what they're looking for, whether it's jobs, business partners, advice, resources, news, they want to know about events. So we realized there's this huge need to be a business platform for everyone, you know, not just investors in cannabis. So, that's really what excited me is the kind of the the, the demand that I saw that the solution like this was needed and there was nothing out there like it.
0: So, so how many people are currently using the platform and, and what are they doing on it? I mean, you mentioned a lot of different things. Uh, what's what's sort of uh, pushing you know its its growth right now?
1: Yep. So some of those things I mentioned exist now, and some are in the process of building based on demand. Uh, But where we are in terms of members, we're just this month, we're crossing actually 10,000 members. And those are 10,000 members that are either cannabis professionals or investors. And it tends to be about 90-10. So 90% cannabis professionals and then 10% accredited investors. Um, And these are all cannabis business people. These are not your typical consumers or stoners. These are people who work in the industry. Everything from, uh, from law firms to dispensaries to grow facilities to advertising companies. Uh, but it's all people. It's, it's, so it's all business. Um, it's 100% devoted to the business of cannabis, uh, not the, you know, tr- there are some other social networks that are more focused on consumers. But we've, we've tried very hard to stay away from that and be 100% focused on the business side of cannabis.
0: What are people doing uh, most often right now, you know, with with everything that you have going on? What's what's the more sort of popular purpose?
1: Yep. So for right now, our platform is really, I would call it around uh, news, awareness and connection. Uh, So right now, what we have is, is it's very similar to like a LinkedIn type platform. You can come on, join, create a professional profile, which means you put your picture up, you put your professional experience, the city you're in, you could put up your past jobs, you could put up a variety of other things, you could essentially put up as much or as little as you want. So people create profiles. They can create a profile for their company as well, you know, just like on LinkedIn. And then we have a news feed that's their homepage and the news feed is is 100% user generated. So our members post articles, they post uh, open jobs, they promote events. A lot of people promote their own companies. Uh, people ask questions. There's a lot of people that just post comments that they're, you know, they're in Michigan and they just opened up a store and they're super excited to be in the industry. And they want to know if anyone else is on the platform from Michigan. So it's a big combination of just business people communicating, sharing news, promoting things, asking for help. Uh, and we also have the ability for, for people to like posts. You can comment on posts. So we do get people who have kind of an ongoing communication where they're communicating about a certain topic. Um, And you can also connect with people. So in the top right corner of the site, we have a recommended connections module, and that based on an algorithm of who we think you may be interested in meeting and and connecting with, uh, you can hit the connect button and that individual will get a message emailed to them saying, you know, uh, John from, you know, the green solution wants to connect with you. Uh, and that person can accept the connection. And once people are connected, they can send messages back and forth on the platform. So that, that right now is what's, uh, people are doing on a day-to-day basis. And I can jump into, uh, if you want some of the other things we're building as well.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Uh sure. So uh and, and all this is based on demand. So uh I we get emails from people all day long asking for XYZ or suggesting we do something. One of them is jobs. Obviously, lots of people in cannabis are looking for jobs. Lots of companies are looking to hire people in cannabis. So um I, I always say that you know getting a job in cannabis is not something that happens by accident. You don't just all of a sudden start working for a cannabis company, you go look for a job in the industry. And vice versa. If you're a company, you're trying to find someone who actively wants to work in the cannabis industry, not just any random person on a job platform. So we think once we launch this, the niche aspect of the industry will be a big driver of uh, people wanting to use our platform. It's 100% safe for cannabis and hemp, and everyone on there is 100% uh, focused on cannabis and hemp. So it makes a ton of sense to have jobs there. Um, we're also launching a, um, a groups section. So just like LinkedIn has groups where people who want to talk about, say, uh, how do you advertise on Google, uh, with a cannabis company, you know, we'll have a group where people can go on and talk and there'll be an ongoing thread where people can share information. And then there's always information there that people can go access and we can just act as a resource for people. Um, We'll also be adding a uh, what we call Marketplace. It's kind of a Yellow Pages type uh, listing. And we're also adding that because of demand. We, we have people email us every day and ask if we know a lawyer who uh, knows cannabis law in California or if we know an accountant who understands 280E. Um, multiple times a day, people ask us about um, if we know banks or payment processors who work with cannabis companies. Or CBD companies, or even just ancillary companies—you know, even people that don't touch the plant—often have trouble, you know, getting companies to accept payments. So, because people keep asking for that, we realize we need to have a static place where we can let companies post their offerings, and then other people can go find them. They can go search for what they need, and we can help them connect. So, all—all all, all these things, you know, that I just mentioned—they're all around, kind of connecting helping each other and sharing information and and just providing people a platform to kind of connect in whatever way they want, whether it's employment, you know, business partners or investment, you know, we're also all about connecting investors to cannabis companies who are fundraising.
0: So, I, I mean, based on sort of, you know, this, this whole thing is being built you know in real time based on feedback there's got to be some learning curve there what's what's that been like from you know the time that you've taken over until now
1: uh yeah i mean there's definitely a learning curve we've um we've learned things about you know the user flow and how users are doing things that you know some of the things we we initially put up were kind of clunky and didn't work that well and we found out really fast you know our users told us this is confusing you know. How do I create my company? This doesn't make any sense. Or, like this, this, this feature of messaging. Uh, for example, we had something up on messaging where anytime you hit return, it would send the message automatically. So it was it, it was kind of an annoying thing that a lot of people complained about. So we actually just fixed that. That I think that's going to be live tomorrow or the next day. So you know we're we're slowly adding in features want people want, and then we're also learning uh, to, the things that people don't want or don't find user-friendly we're fixing so there is definitely a learning curve and I don't think that'll change I mean the industry is growing so fast I think we're going to keep adapting as we go
0: so what about for you personally you know what's been the learning curve for you entering the state is the the space and how have you adapted uh in, in your tenure this far um
1: so it's been now about a year and a half and uh, I'll say one of the things that I've been pleasantly shocked by is how open and friendly uh, everyone has been in terms of I've I've done a lot of networking, almost anyone I've reached out to, to have lunch, have a phone call with, you know, even CEOs of pretty successful companies, they're, they're all willing to talk. They're all willing to answer questions. And, and I think that's kind of unique in cannabis where everyone still feels like they're, they're in this together and, I think it was just a sense of there were so many years when people had to fight and band together just to get laws passed, and then once they passed, everyone had to kind of work together just to figure out how to implement them. You know, it was very confusing, and no one knew what to do or how it really worked, and everyone's had to work together for so long. I think there's still a a really amazing sense of camaraderie in the industry, and. In general, people are, are much more open and helpful than almost any other industry I've been part of.
0: So one of the taglines uh, on your site is, um you know, sort of talks about this, this uh, sort of community building, you know, it says that you want to help reduce the stigma for for industry operators. And while that does exist, I mean, I, I teach at a, at a college, and there's definitely a can of bias uh, in the discussions that we're sort of allowed to have, right? Um, you know, and, and I study the media, and, and there's a definitely a can of bias there. Uh, how can... You know, your website, a specialty website, help reduce the stigma for uh, industry operators.
1: Well, I think one thing we do is we provide a platform where you know that stigma doesn't exist. So we provide a platform where people can come on. You know, you mentioned media advertising. Lots of platforms will censor you. cancel. YouTube cancels. You know, video channels. Facebook cancels groups. Shuts down pages like we provide a platform where no one has to be afraid that's going to happen to anything that they're doing on the platform. Um, They don't have to be worried about announcing uh, a new product line, a new opening. Uh, I've I've had people tell me, and and, uh, I use LinkedIn every day, so I'm not negative towards LinkedIn. For me, I have a lot of connections. I use it every day. I post articles daily, just like I do on LeafWire. So I, you know, I love using LinkedIn also, but a lot of people out there don't want to necessarily be loud and proud on LinkedIn because they know they live in a state maybe where it's not legal. They know half their family doesn't approve. They know half the people they worked at at their last banking job will kind of look down on them or think strangely of them if they're working in a cannabis company. Um, and And not everyone wants to go onto LinkedIn and say, "We just launched our third vape pen. come check it out right It's kind of a weird it's it there's just so much on LinkedIn other than cannabis it's It's hard for people to be a hundred percent open about what they're doing. so one of the ways that we do you know help remove that stigma is just provide that safe community, that safe platform where people know they can hire people, they can promote events. Uh, they can just share news, and they they can ask for help with whatever they need, and not be uh, judged or worried that they're in a place where there's you know millions of people who will kind of look down on them for that
0: now i'm not i I don't i don't use LinkedIn personally i I haven't since uh since college when i was actually required to as part of a class but i'm not really a social media guy have they you know taken the steps that you know you mentioned facebook who uh does shut down groups but has recently said that they would be open to uh cannabis businesses advertising on their platform in legal states does linkedin have this kind of cannabis that's built into some of the other more popular social networks
1: uh not as much uh LinkedIn doesn't do very much censoring, uh, the, the, the cannabis that exists is not necessarily from LinkedIn. I think it's more from the fact that society in general and the number of states where it's not legal are still not necessarily open to cannabis. So it's not LinkedIn as a company. I think that, uh, that makes, makes it a platform that's not a hundred percent open to cannabis. It's really more the fact that the, you know, societal norms, uh, are not 100% open to it, and, and I don't think that'll even change, even when things go 100% federally legal, say, in two or three years. We're still going to have a a condition where it's, I think it's going to be state by state that that uh, you know states are going legal with recreational or medical, um, and th- that's going to be slow to adopt and slow to happen. So there's still going to be the same X percent of the public who is not necessarily – um really approving of cannabis industry and cannabis businesses so i don't think that's going to go away just cuz things are legal i think that's going to be another 5 or 10 years to kind of get rid of that stigma and bias in general
0: so when it comes to uh, leafwire and, and in your user population are you seeing more growers and dispensaries you know people who touch the plant or are you seeing more ancillary businesses
1: um i think I, I'm I'm pretty sure what what we've been seeing pretty consistently is more ancillary businesses than plant touching, and I think that's very simply a matter of of numbers. And you know, I've, I've been told there are probably I don't know what the numbers are this month, but I think there's around thirty five to forty thousand licenses in the U S. And you, you you may have a better number than I do, but somewhere in that ballpark. So, so let's say forty thousand, and those are licensed companies. They're licensed by the state to either grow, transport, process, or sell in retail. So that's what the, the typical person outside the industry, if you say cannabis company, that's what they think of. It's someone that's you know on a farm, it's someone that's in a dispensary, or it's someone that's you know. Yeah, uh, extracting the oil. Making candy. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's what almost everyone thinks cannabis companies are. The reality is most industry, and, and there's actually not a really solid list of these, but there's probably three to four times as many ancillary companies that are dependent on the cannabis industry than there are plant touching. So if there's 40,000, there's probably 120,000 to 160,000 ancillary companies out there and those are everyone from security, lighting, fertilizer, PR companies, legal, accounting, real estate. I mean it's a huge list. I mean if and it, it, what I usually tell people is think about if if you're a company like a store, you you depend on, you know, 20 different companies to provide you with services. You know, you you depend on your POS system, maybe a loyalty program, maybe compliance company, maybe HR, maybe advertising, maybe development. uh, You know, a creative company, a someone to design your store. You know, someone to guard your store. I mean, so every single one of those companies probably has fifteen to twenty service providers they rely on, and so it makes sense. There's bound to be more of those companies than there are the licensed ones. So. Simply because of the numbers that there's three to four times as many ancillary, you know, we do see more ancillary than we do uh, license, licensed companies, uh, but I think that's just the nature of the industry. That's just the reality of what's out there.
0: So you had mentioned, uh, you know, quite a variety of ancillary businesses uh, that work with the cannabis industry, and and one of them, you know, I'd never really even even thought of. You need somebody to design the store. Um, is there any other examples like that that sort of stick out to you that that you know businesses? Don't initially think, oh yeah, we, you know, we need this person uh, that 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 you're seeing, you know, on on the site. People sort of finding out, you know, oh, we we need this person, whereas they might not have thought about it initially, and, and you know, Leafwire helps them find that person.
1: Yeah, and that's part of the you know the part of the site I talked about called Marketplace, which is like yellow page listings. It is a way that if you want, you know, I think a, a lot of people don't necessarily realize that like how important PR is in cannabis. And because advertising is so tough, you know, on Facebook and Google and some of these other places, it, you know, PR is a really big deal. And there's a bunch of companies out there that are really great. Um, uh, and we've worked with a bunch of different ones. Uh, uh, Nissan PR, uh, Rosie uh, Power Plant. You know, there's a, a lot of these. There's, there's probably a dozen or more uh, of these PR companies. Um, and... Um, Access Wire is another one that does PR um, that most people don't necessarily think about it immediately, but if you're running a brand, you know, that's pretty important. Um, you know, another, you know, big part of the industry that people may not even ever really think about is like packaging. Like you, you need something, you know, packaging requirements are really stringent and there's a lot of companies that focus on eco packaging. And, you know, the, the biggest one, Kushco that, you know, went public, Uh, And then there's companies like sauna packaging and creative packaging. And, um, you know, it's, you go and buy your cannabis, you don't necessarily think about what it's in, but someone's got to make that, you know, and someone's got to get it to the people who are, you know, processing the cannabis. So it's, it's, it's all those parts around that um, that people don't, don't think about.
0: And packaging is (laughs) very, highly regulated part of, of most cannabis programs. So, so, you know, it adds a whole other layer. Um, so, you know, you, you've been in the tech industry for, for more than 20 years. Um, and anytime I have conversations with somebody in the tech industry, you know, I always tell them the same thing when I talk to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs entering the space, a lot of them make that comparison between the tech industry in the nineties and the cannabis industry. Now, uh, do, can you compare those two? Being somebody who's, who's, who's worked in both, uh, you know, in those time frames where, where they they sort of, you know, are really get, you know getting the ball rolling.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was I I would describe it as a very similar level of excitement. Uh, so we've Leafwire is a company we've hosted a bunch of pitch contests, kind of like Shark Tank type events. We did seven last year, from Miami to LA to Denver to. San Francisco, all the way up to Vancouver. Uh, and I could tell you that, uh, every single one of them, we had a bunch of companies, a bunch of judges, you know, hundred to 200 people and the vibe and all those people were so kind of excited and jazzed to learn about new companies and to be there and meet each other and talk. And I mean, it's the, the energy is really, um, great right now in the sense of people ex- being excited about growing businesses that's kind of how it was back you know in the beginning of the tech in the tech boom you know uh the the big difference though is is the regulatory environment so tech did not have that at all really you know in tech it was kind of you know off to the races anyone could do anything they wanted uh whereas here it can only grow state by state you know as governments pass laws uh, and even the things you can do in certain states, whether there are certain states that have medical, but you can only prescribe, uh, you know, cannabis for like one type of seizure disorder. So it's so limited, it's almost impossible for companies to exist with like such limitations. So the the huge difference, I think, is the, the growth is a little bit slower and controlled, uh, which is not necessarily an awful thing because, you know, everyone knows in the tech days that you know, companies like pets.com and things like that would go spend $100 million on your Super Bowl ad. They blew all everyone's money. And, you know, half the companies went under in like a year or two. So one thing I think this slower rollout is doing is it's helping that slow down a little bit. I mean, obviously, in Canada right now, we still have, you know, huge hype. And a lot of people think that public companies are overvalued up there. And uh, depends who you ask. But uh, so you're still seeing that a little bit in Canada. But In the U.S., it's definitely more controlled and regulated. So I'd say that's the biggest difference between tech in the 90s and cannabis now is just the regulatory environment has slowed things down a bit.
0: So while we're, while we're talking about tech, um, you know, you, you guys, you're, you're a platform that, that connects people, uh, but you also build yourself as a social network. So, so uh, what role, and this is sort of broad, but what role do social networks have in protect, protecting data? And, and are you being extra cautious since you're dealing with cannabis businesses who operate in a highly regulatory environment? And a lot of them operate with extreme caution
1: yeah a hundred percent i mean we we do you know a hundred percent respect that people's data is is private it's their own data we don't we don't sell anyone's data we don't you know give out any information about any members any companies um the only thing we do is we communicate with our own members via email but we we never let anyone else have any data about any of our members and we're careful. I mean, we use you know top of the line like Amazon Web Services and um, you know a bunch of other products that are designed to you know safeguard people's data. So um, you know we're we're a hundred percent aware of you know all the stuff that's going on, especially that Facebook is done and other companies. And um, we 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 are not uh, running our business model to uh, to have that be a part of anything we do.
0: So how are you guys handling advertisements? I mean, you you had mentioned it's very hard to advertise and, and sites like, you know, very cannabis centric sites such as yours, uh, you know, obviously are going to allow these advertisements. Uh, do, do you do you guys have any sort of regulatory stuff that you have to deal with or how are you handling advertisements? Uh,
1: we don't. I mean, we're allowed to post. I mean, we're our own platform. We don't have rules about cannabis. Uh, we, we don't ever post anything about selling uh, directly to the consumer we post things about brands we post things about ancillary companies we post things about services and advertisements and whatnot um we we don't ever obviously sell anything directly on our platform or or promote like the direct sale from uh from one individual to another i mean we 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 only work with you know established licensed companies who are, uh, you know, ad- advertising legitimate services.
0: And so, so I, I know some things, uh, you know, from, from the, the Cody who, who linked us up, who, who does the editing on these, on these podcasts. And, uh, when, when he mentioned you, he's telling me that you had some, uh, CBD investments. Uh, you want to talk to me about those?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big believer, in, you know, in the industry in general, uh, but, uh, recently I've gotten involved with some CBD companies. There's some CBD companies here in Denver that have a physical location, uh, called Canvas Organics. Uh, and, you know, I was approached by some people who wanted to open some more stores. So, uh, some friends and myself decided to be a part of it and we're, we're, we're not, you know, operational in any sense. We're just investors, but, um, we are, you know, some big supporters. They're going to, we're opening a couple Actual physical stores, one over in Belmar and one in Rhino. Uh, and they're going to be called Canvas Organics. Uh, and they're run by this uh, this this group of people out in New Mexico. They have a bunch of stores in New Mexico as well. But um, I I really believe that just like you have, you know, gourmet pet food stores, you know, and, and I know CBD is going to be sold in CVS and Walgreens and all over the place. And the, the fact is, though, there's a lot of people out there who are very interested in uh CBD and they want to know how it works, what the different applications are, how much they should take, what what are recommended products and they want to talk to someone educated and I believe that in a small boutique-like store you can have a much better experience than, you know, Walgreens that you're, that you're not necessarily going to have every employee in there who's actually trained to educate people. Uh, and just like, you know, a pet food store, like you can buy pet food on Amazon or on Chewy, which they just bought you can go to you know a huge pet food store. Or you can buy it at Walmart. But in almost every nice neighborhood, you still see a nice gourmet pet food store because people who love their pets, they care about them. They want to go ask questions. They want to get unique products. They want to get quality products. And they, they want to talk with someone who's knowledgeable. And I believe for CBD, that's the future that even though you will be able to buy it everywhere – uh, people are going to want to go to stores that have, you know, 30 varieties and uh, have the highest quality products and have the highest, uh, most educated uh, people who are working in the store that can help them.
0: And so you bring up you bring up pet food store, um, you know, what? I have a I have a two-year-old boxador uh, I've been giving him CBD since he was a tiny pupper um, and still to this day I mean I, I, I give him not you know not much I've, I've done a bit of research I've talked to a few people you know had a conversation with my vet with the person who you know runs the doggy daycare and I've, I've interviewed people who make CBD products for pets uh, what's what's sort of your take on CBD uh, for pets you you like CBD obviously uh, like animals which will get into that a little bit more in a minute but uh what's your take on cbd for animals
1: uh well so i i have a dog uh who's about five and who has some uh you know kind of achy joints and aches and pains once in a while And we've been giving our dogs cbd for the last almost two years i think now uh, i take cbd every day and you know we we buy a certain kind for pets uh and it's essentially the same thing they they occasionally flavor it so and you know, it, it, depending on your dog, some dogs don't care. Some dogs will eat anything; they don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure if you have a dog, you you you, you know, um, yes, you know, they, they flavor some of these like they flavor them with bacon or salmon or something, so they, you know, they taste good to dogs. So mostly, the only difference is it's the uh, amount of milligrams. If you know what you're doing, I mean, you could give your, it's CBD, CBD. You could give your dog any type of CBD as long as you give them the right milligrams and see it's obviously yeah. they're, they weigh a lot less than humans. So you give them less. Um, so, uh, you know, I've nothing, we actually do buy the ones for pet. Just my wife likes to buy that. It's, I think it's a flavored kind. So we get that one, but I mean, theoretically one, I think it works for pets. I've seen, I've seen it work, so I believe in it. And, you know, you, you can really give any kind, you just have to, you just have to monitor and, you know, you could look up online or look on, uh, you know, there's a lot of resources we can find out like the the appropriate dosage for the weight of the, the dog. That's really the most important thing.
0: What have you, you know, you said he has eight here that, that your dog has, has achy joints. Has, have you noticed a, a significant, uh, difference?
1: Definitely. So we, so I think it's, I think we, we once had a, uh, diagnosis of like an early onset arthritis for dogs so it's just a little bit of you know aches and pains in the joints at a at an early age and the the way that displays is constant kind of the the dogs kind of just chew constantly on their joints right they're they're kind of trying to alleviate it somehow um and we do find that when we give cbd regularly it minimizes that uh significantly so she she doesn't do the kind of the constant gnawing on her you know joints and elbows that uh that we see otherwise so yeah we we have seen a big difference
0: so the other thing that uh Cody was telling me about is that you have an animal rescue project um can you tell me about that and and is it linked to to sort of the cannabis industry and if so how
1: um so it's, it's not my project. It's a project that I'm joining and throwing in my resources, trying to help as much as I can, but it's, it's actually uh David Smith over at Vangst. He's the CTO of Vangst. Um, he okay. runs something called No Kill Colorado and it's, it's not a shelter. It's an organization that teaches shelters how to change from being a kill shelter into being a, either zero or almost zero kill shelter. And they they basically have this this is based on a book that someone wrote decades ago and they've done this all over the world in in you know different cities and states. Uh they they have, you know, like 12 different policies. And if you enact these 12 policies, you can get your shelter to almost, you know, zero zero kill shelter and just just to give like two examples of this so it makes sense one, when they go pick up a dog, so say a dog is, has been found and it's, it's a stray, no one knows what to do with it. Yep. The, the shelter will go pick it up and rather than just take it back to the shelter, they walk around in like a three block radius to every house and ask every single person if they know where the dog is from. And I, I think it was something like 50% of the time, they just find the owner of the dog by doing that. So no they eliminate in bringing the dog in, right? Which seems pretty obvious, but most people... Most of these these shelters or pounds, they pick. They're so busy. They just pick the dog up, take it back, put it in a cage, and forget about it. Um, another example of that is, you know, shelters often have people drive up with their dog and say, "I can't afford this anymore. Like I have to give it up." And the shelters all get food donated from dog food companies. So another one of these principles is offer to give them a free month of food, and tell them take this. If you need more next month, just come back. And we'll give you another one um, so rather than have someone give up their dog because of financial reasons, help them in a way that you know gives them a month at a time so that they can you know hopefully get back on their feet and start to feed the dog on their own. but again, make it so you don't even have to take the dog in so there's There's about twelve principles like that, and so what David's organization does is they go shelter by shelter in different cities and they go to them and they pressure them to adopt these principles and, you know, work with the city, work with the county to kind of pressure them to do it. And they've gotten a bunch of shelters in Colorado to get to 0%. And their goal is to get all of Colorado to 0% kill shelters and um, no-kill Colorado, because, partly because David's the CTO for Vangst. Obviously, he's a big believer in the industry. Wants yeah. to bring in, and that's part of the reason I'm, I'm joining forces with him. We want to start to throw a lot of events and bring in cannabis companies to help support this cause and throw their resources and money behind it. Um, cause the, w- one of the things I didn't really know that David brought up is there's a lot of people um, in the cannabis industry who, who want to donate money or time. And there's a lot of charities that won't take money from cannabis companies strictly because they're cannabis really? companies. Yeah. I I didn't realize I like that, that, but apparently, the more traditional you know, traditional conservative charities don't want to be associated with cannabis still, and they won't accept money from cannabis companies. So so that's what David wants to do is really say, listen, like, let's show that the cannabis industry can work together and help save these animals and get it to, you know, the whole goal is to get to 0% kill in Colorado. And there's, there's other organizations that do the same thing in other states. So this is part of a national organization
0: super cool man i really appreciate you telling me uh, all about that uh, you know I, I i well i've been covering this industry for for several years and there there is a lot of charity that goes on i had no idea that a lot of these uh traditional organizations won't take cannabis industry money so you know you learn, learn something new every single day at this industry um uh, where can people find out uh, more about you more about leafwire uh,
1: well, first, you know, we encourage everyone, obviously, to come join LeafWire. It's a hundred percent free. Uh, we will be adding some like premium features, but right now it's all free. Just come join, create a profile. You can connect with me on LeafWire. Uh, anyone that wants to shoot me an email or connect directly, you can also just go to peter at leafwire dot com. Uh, and I'm happy to, you know, chat, have coffee, uh, meet with most anyone. I've, I've been networking uh in in canvas very heavily ever since i started
0: well peter vogel thank you so much for coming on the show uh really uh breath of fresh air in the industry i think you know you've you've a, especially for being you know sort sort of new into it i think you have a lot of really great ideas and uh i'm excited to see you know how uh leafwire grows and uh you know definitely try to keep me updated on this uh no kill colorado campaign i, I i'm an animal guy you know
1: Oh, well, I'll I'll chat with David, too. We should get him to get on with you. And he can tell you he's the he's the guy he's he started it here. So he can really tell you about it.
0: That'd be great, man. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. All right. Thank you, Tim. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store on Gontrepreneur.com com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated along the transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, TG brandfault